You ready? Yeah. You ready? All right, hold on. Here we go. What's going on? This is the My Aggie Nation podcast. I'm Travis Brown with The Eagle, and we have two great interviews with former Texas A&M players for you today. First, we'll talk to former Texas A&M safety Leon O'Neill about the Aggies' past season and, and where they go from here to improve on their five-win season this year. And then I'll talk to former Texas A&M basketball player Mark French about the Aggies' season so far on the hardwood and where they can improve to make the next steps to that NCAA tournament. But first, let's hear from Leon O'Neill. What's going on, everyone? I'm Travis Brown. We're here at the Eagle, and I'm joined by special guest Leon O'Neill, former Texas A&M defensive back. Leon, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes of your time. Uh, thank you so much. God bless you for having me. Yeah, for sure. So well, let's look a little bit at what AM did this year. Uh, what did you see on the whole from the season? And what was your overall take of the Aggies this year? Um, I just thought maybe, you know, at the beginning of the season, everybody was trying to find the culture, you know, again. You know, I think uh, when you lose a significant amount of seniors, a significant amount of leaders, on that team, uh, it, it can make stuff challenging, especially coming in with a lot of uh, freshmen. So I thought maybe, uh, you know, beginning of the season, it was just always trying to find out who was going to be the quarterback, um, who was going to make that tackle, going to know how to fit that gap. It was just a lot of uh, experience uh, that needed to be plugged in, and uh, and they had to get some play time and figure stuff out. You know what I mean? So I think that's a lot. Of, that's that's exactly what kind of went on. Um, I feel like my freshman year, not really my freshman, my sophomore year, really, like where everybody was just trying to figure it all out. You know what I mean? And we were trying to have some guys step up. And that's just really what it was last year. I think everybody was trying to find that role, who was the leader, who wasn't the leader, uh, who was trying. It was just it was just uh, chaos trying to figure it out. And it was just not in the right. And you know what I mean? I think this year they, they'll be way more uh, ready just in the offseason, just working hard, having experience. Uh, being way more comfortable in the environment because they've been there before. I think a lot of those young guys never been there before, and that's where it was uh, It was uh, detrimental. Yeah, I know you were a guy who was outspoken late in your time at A&M with the fact that you grew up a lot during your time in college from playing as a freshman to a senior. For a team that's young and, and had some off-the-field issues, what do you see yeah. from these guys? What's the next step in the process, not just to grow on the field, but grow off the field as well? Uh, yeah, no, uh, I think this is a beautiful thing in life. Uh, and I talk about it so frequently. Um, falling and getting back up is human nature. Uh, the world has made it this uh um terrible thing this this most ugliest thing you know with these trolls and and everybody placing a judgment but the only person that can judge is god that's one let's get that out the way and and i think when you go through these you know uh, it says in the bible that uh, suffering is endurance 
And so when you go through these stages of uh, suffrage where you you feel like, oh, my God, this might be the end. I don't feel happy. I'm not good. Ah, that 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 weight that's on your shoulders the way i released that weight on my shoulders was taking accountability uh, accountability for all my actions you know uh taking ownership for all my actions and understanding that uh it's not about the result it's about the purpose you know it's about it's about the it's about the process of everything that's going on so if i'm doing everything right when i look back at this thing man and i worked as hard as i possibly can i i, I be better man because I lived in a moment. And I think uh, that's just naturally, as a human nature, you can just see, uh, say you ride a bike for the first time, you're gonna fall. You're gonna fall, it's, it's nothing you could do about it. You never rode that bike before. But if you dedicate yourself to riding that bike every single day, then before you know it, you're doing tricks on that bike. You know what I mean? Before you know it, you're able to change gears on that bike. It's, 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 it's a beautiful thing about life that I think the world has pushed away from. And we 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 uh seem to like put this thought in our head that we're gonna be successful right now. But I think you think about everybody in this world, think about everybody ever been successful. Uh, we can talk about Joe Burrow from LSU. Since we could talk about, you know, since we talk about football, the man went to a school where they didn't even know he existed. <laughs> and he transferred, went to a different school, and literally with the work ethic that he had in a matter of two years, he was a national championship winner. So I think, I think it is uh, extremely important that you ride the ship and you trust God and you understand that these trials and tribulations are part of life. Do not let the world tell you that you're not good enough because who are they to tell you that you're not good enough? You, you are, um, you are, you know, I say the Lord's child and you control all of your judgment. And I think, God has shown me that numerous times in my life where failure has never, ever, ever been the last destination. It always has been a, a seed grown with failure and you seem to grow like rapidly because you understand you do not want to go back to that, that uh, situation. And you know certain things, got certain experiences from that situation that help you grow. So I think it's so beautiful that... uh they went through these, 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 uh, these uh, bumps and bruises because it's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel, guaranteed. When you're working as hard as you possibly can, but you're not those. Those kids played hard with a lot of heart. Their heart got broken numerous times this year. I can tell you that it's going to be uh, um, amazing breakthrough for AM because people stuck together and people stayed. On course now. I understand the transport going on right now, which can definitely uh, hurt A and M, but it also can very, very much so help A and M if they grab the right people from the transfer portal. Because you gotta understand, some people in that portal know what it feels like to fail, and um, I'm, I'm sure they're gonna grab the right people with the right character that's gonna help this uh, this school do what it needs to do. I don't care about five stars. I don't care about stars at all. I care less. I don't. I just use my language. I don't give a shit about it. I think it's all about. It's all about men coming together and doing their damn job and understanding what the main result is, but living within the, the, the moment, you know, living with purpose, living within the process. That's what life all about. And uh, it, it says it way in the Old Testament, man, no matter what you're doing in life, if you do it within God and you do it with everything you have, whatever the result is does not matter. It's who you become within that matters. And so I think that's how you become a man. And when you become a man, certain things happen in your life that uh, you you are very, very proud of. Glad you went through certain things you went through. Exactly. 
So let's look a little bit individually at the defense, both the secondary and the run defense. Secondary yeah. had a good season this year. What did you see from an X's and O perspective from DJ Durkin and what those guys were able to do in the secondary? Yeah, and I, I, honest to God, I think the world kind of bashed DJ Durkin a lot. But if you see how much energy that man has on a consistent basis, every time I ever went up there, he had the um, utmost amount of energy, love for his team. He's very compassionate, very passionate person. He loves what he do. He loves his job. And you can tell he loves those kids and loves those those players, you know, that he has. So that's 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 first thing first. They all say good things about Durkin. I could I could tell you that uh, a three-down lineman is very different going face-to-face with a Jimbo Fisher's offense that is a conservative offense. I think Durkin has... Uh, seen what it can be like with a, with a you know, Lane Kiffin offense, very uh, fast tempo, fast pace. And uh, I think uh, you would say much more productive on a scoring standpoint. But when you're dealing with a, a Jimbo Fisher, it's a little different. Durkin did a lot of great things in turnovers. And uh, those guys got after the ball really well. And I'm, I'm very about that but I know Durkin is obviously very very uh very very uh, intellectual and very smart he's going to change certain things that he, he's doing um the three down lineman just wasn't a good result here they ran the ball very very uh very very uh hard this year against us and and and, and down our throats and I know he didn't like that but it's also because you've got these young guys if, I, I will say if okay I would say if we had older guys in the, in the d-line position the three down lineman wouldn't wouldn't be a problem because people know how to fit gaps know how to fight off blocks. You have freshmen, young guys, young men trying to figure it all out their first year and they're getting pushed around. And so that's, that's, that's just what it was. And um, <clears throat> I think, uh, like I said, he's very intellectual. He'll change stuff around. Yeah, for sure. You, you hit all of that. So let's move over to the offense. Uh, yeah. What do you see from Connor Wegman, uh, Evan Stewart, Moose Muhammad, some of these guys that are the building blocks for the future? Yeah, I like I, I love I love football because the stuff that's easy to see is easy to see. And um, Evan Stewart, um, he's I, when I seen him in spring, he has always impressed me. Uh, very confident kid, um, has a lot going for him. Um, <clears throat> great head on the shoulders, great head on the shoulders. Do not get weary in situations. Do not get too flustered. Uh, very, very much so a competitor. But he has fun when he played the game of football. Uh, Connor, um, he from the same uh, 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 district I'm from in Cyprus, and uh, you see we uh, we doing some things now. Got Connor uh, at A and M, and then you got Harold Perkins at uh, LSU, who also doing some things out of Cyprus. So, like I said, just just real confident players, both of those guys. I think that connection is going to be amazing. Um, but hey, you know, I think uh, maybe if a Naive don't go in the draft, it's going to be very dangerous. Um, revenge here. You know, uh, defeating an injury and uh, that that'll be special. But I think this old line <clears throat> that we have um, have showed some signs of major maturity, whether people like it or not. They have showed signs of major maturity these past well, I think two games you could say. Uh, uh, and and I'm excited. I'm super excited to see them. Uh, you know, uh, fight back, fight back. They go. They, you naturally mature. You naturally mature with experiences. That old line. Is 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 getting the getting the you know <laughs> getting the experience they need and 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 I think they'll be ready uh, more so next year than any year and uh, the biggest thing this year is staying healthy but we got the pieces we got all the pieces in play to go be successful we look at Moose I didn't even mention Moose 
Moose has uh, been phenomenal. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little upset he never got that opportunity early, you know, but I think he had to mature. And that, that's that's literally what Moose is a perfect example of experience, maturity um, and understanding that you're going to have some ups and downs on the way up. He's a perfect example of that. I think he's a very good uh, role model for a lot of young guys coming in at the receiver position, really at any position, to see that if you stay the course, because Moose could have been transferred. Let me tell you this from, uh, you know, just Moose, me and him had many talks, and uh, Moose could have been transferred. He been, you know, felt like he wasn't loved. Enough. He been felt all this. I told him to stay the course a hundred times. We had a hundred talks. I was a big mentor for Moose. I think Moose is going to do a lot of great things, not just at football, but life with his mentality. Uh, it is so beautiful to watch Moose do the things he out there, but I know he can do it. I've been watched it happen, but he just wasn't consistent. But watching it uh, LSU game, you can see a star blooming every week, every single week. And uh, I'm super excited for Moose. And and, and uh, like I said, uh, Evan Stewart and and, and uh, Connor and, and you know, them other, the young pieces that we have who are going to, you know, expose their stardom real soon. So on offense and then on a defense, give me one MVP for both sides of the ball in your opinion. Uh, yeah, I uh, got to start with the quarterback on offense. I give Connor uh, the green light to be the MVP of, uh, of everything he runs. You need to take more demand, even though I think he's, he's young. But this year, it got to be a big step of taking demand and being, uh, you know, more consistent. You know, when the O-line not blocking, hey, I love y'all. Let's go. Let's work. Like that type of mentality um, that he, he he needs to have, you know, going in. Uh, but that's MVP on offense. I say defense. <clears throat> it'll, it, it, it'll be a joke if I don't tell you who, you know, step up in a leadership role on defense. And it has to be either Fidel Diggs or it has to be Adrian Cooper. Uh, and and that, that's just, that's just me telling you, you know, I think uh, uh, Fidel Diggs has is, is been doing a good job this year of, of leading and pushing people. But I think Coop is, is the linebacker. He's the one that talks to the front level and, and the back level, the third level. So, I mean, like that's, that's 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 just that's it. That's, it. that's just it. That that's that's the that's the guys. I think that's gonna get the guy get get this thing rolling, you know, back where it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you've mentioned it throughout this whole thing in pieces of parts. But what is the key to taking the next steps? Next steps for this program moving into next year? Uh, off season, off season, off season. Uh, you don't win games during the season just miraculously with heart and stuff. Sometimes you do, but off season, it comes down to off season. When you, when you want a, a, a goal like the national championship, it has to happen in the off season and it don't stop. The off season is just the start within the season. You're still grinding mentally and physically to figure it out. So like, you got to have extra meat. Even that like we will set up meetings when I played, when the coaches didn't even know we were setting up meetings. Like that's the stuff that we was on. We was I, I was I was so hungry and dedicated. I, before Bama game, I was my last time playing Bama. Y'all think I'm gonna BS? We're gonna meet as long as we need to meet, so everybody know their X's and O's. Because M, uh, we call it MAs. Mr. Simons lose football games, whether people like it or not. And then that Mr. Simons make other other people that's watching blame the person that's not even their fault. It's a lot. Go on on that. So we, we're hurting each other more than we're helping each other if we're not mentally there and communicating with each other on a daily basis. So 
that's huge. That is extremely huge. Uh, <clears throat> going further, uh, but that's 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 the main thing. The off season, the work ethic. Uh, not just doing mandatory workouts, but doing the above and beyond the dramatics. Doing like, why the hell? I want I want somebody to be every single day. Why the hell is this guy still grinding like this? Why? And then other guys look around and be like, you know what? I feel um, some type of, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> I feel some type of like, you know, I feel a little guilty because I'm not working the same way he's working. And and, and that's how you build a team. You need somebody that's going to go in there and do that. You need somebody as a local leader and say, hey, I'm working out at five o'clock in the morning. Do you want to come with me? Oh, but we got we got um we got Coach Red tonight. We got to work, you know, Coach Red the next, like later that day. I don't care. I'm working out in the morning. Are you coming? So now you did two workouts within that day. Your body naturally is going to get better. You're going to physically grow and develop. You see what I'm saying? Life's going to slow down down for you. Now the mental aspect uh, with film and understanding X and O's, understanding personnel that comes within. Call Durkin, ask questions, then talk to your team about certain things. Do not give up on the the learning process i am not in a league right now but am i stop learning no because a phone call can call it i mean can happen at any time so you have to always be ready you have to always be ready and the more you brand there it, it, uh, you grow so i mean like i said a brain has what what it got uh, uh, 80 85 billion neurons in our head i think it's about i think that's about right and we got so much information our brain is a sponge second of the day our brain is a sponge what we take in whether negativity positivity um whether you know good whether bad uh whether informational or not informational matters you see what i'm saying and so like yeah you could go hang with those girls yes yeah you could go go to that party and stuff like that but if you're partying and you're doing all that stuff 80 percent of the time and your 20 percent of the time is just football in the off season do not be mad team is five and seven come game time just don't be mad I don't, I don't want to hear no no fussing. I don't want to hear portal. I need you to grow up as a man right now because it's not just football you're playing for. You're playing for your family. You know what I mean? And that's 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 huge. Yeah. So what does the near future hold for you? I know you talked a little bit about being ready. What is was that hold for you? Uh, I'm super excited. I think uh, I've been blessed to play this game of football for so long as I have. Uh, it's a one percenter game right now. I'm 23 years old. I'm, I'm turned 24. My bad. December 23rd, I turned uh, 24. And uh, I think me being home after tearing my growing uh, in, a, in the NFL completely shutting me down. Uh, I'll get an opportunity again this next season coming up uh, on a 90-man roster again. Literally the same stuff I did with the Niners uh, going through training camp. But I didn't get to play preseason. Me not being able to play preseason was me not being able to show how talented uh, Leon O'Neal is, wake him up is. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm very humble, uh, but I know what kind of stardom I have. I know what kind of leader I am. I know what kind of man I am. And I will never, ever let a logo, I will never, ever let media change how I believe in, in, um, in myself. Uh, I just think that's huge. Uh, I know how talented I am. I did not run a good 40. I've never been good at running a 40. I have no problem saying I'm not good at running a 40. But when I played on the football field, what did you see? You seen hard. You can watch every player since we was young. Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Troy Palomalu, <laughs> Jerry Rice, he ran a 4-7. The amount of heart, the amount of love I have for the game of football, I will last a very long time. And I can't wait to show that. So I think a lot of days I, I be sitting here in the house and I'm like, wow, I haven't got that football workout or certain things like that. 
you know, they chime in, uh, teams chime into my agent, ask me how, ask how I'm doing, you know, showing the posts there in the NFL. Still. But uh, <laughs> I am very, very happy to know that God does not work or does work. I am at peace, man. I'm at peace. I open the Bible. I pray. I get close to God every single day. I love my family more. I'm around my family more. I've been playing for a very long time, and I have, I have realized that I have not been connected to the real world, you know, of problems that we have going on today. And so I think with my voice and my leadership and certain things that I have for myself, I can be a peaceful, positive person in this world every single day. Um, I can motivate these kids, you know, with these community uh, times that I have, you know, to help the community. I'm doing a lot of great things for the community, uh, but I'm working out daily, consistently, and the NFL is uh, coming, man. It's just all God's time. Man, Leon, I appreciate you giving a few minutes of your time today and breaking things down, and best of luck to you moving on in the future. Yeah, thank you so much. God bless you. You're looking good, by the way, man. You've been using different <laughs> shampoo or something. Thank you. <laughs> appreciate it. I appreciate God it. Bless. Thank you, uh, Leon, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. A big thanks to Leon O'Neill for chatting some Texas A&M football. Now we talk to Mark French, former Texas A&M guard, as part of a weekly installment breaking down the week that was in Texas A&M men's basketball. Here's the first edition of those videos that will be on TheEagle.com each week. What's going on, everyone? I'm Travis Brown with The Eagle alongside our new X's and O's analyst, this time for men's basketball. This is former Texas A&M guard Mark French. Mark, how's it going, man? Hey, Travis. Doing well, doing well. Happy to be here. This should be fun. Yeah, as as uh, readers and, and viewers have known, we, we talked to Jay Arnold, breaking down a little bit of the X's and O's, a little bit of what it's like to be a college athlete at Texas A&M with, with Jay Arnold through the football season. We're going to do a little bit of the same thing with Mark French. Of course, Mark was a, a guard for the Aggies in Jimbo Fisher's uh, first season in Aggieland. He also does some color commentary at times for SEC Network and 12th Man Productions when called upon that. Uh, Mark, give a little bit more of, of, of your background, how, kind of how you got to AM, and uh, your time at A&M, and, and then what you're doing nowadays with that fancy, fancy background behind you. Yeah, no, Travis. Um, so yeah, it's great to be here. I, you know, uh, I, I didn't grow up in Aggie. I didn't even grow up in Texas. I, I grew up in Memphis, uh, Tennessee. And so A&M, I knew, you know, uh, what Texas A&M was, but I was really high school. My family actually moved here to Texas. Um, and I ended up, uh, I was getting recruited by some smaller schools, uh, some Ivy leagues, uh, uh, some schools on the West coast and just kind of how things shook out at an injury right before senior year and kind of fell through the cracks a little bit. Um, and ended up, uh, deciding to walk on at AM and, uh, my AU coach at the time, uh, here in Dallas, was a really good friend with coach. Uh, I good senior in high school and that kind of parlayed into that opportunity at AM. And so uh, I spent three years under Billy Kennedy, um, first year didn't play much, uh, junior year ended up getting put on scholarship. Um, and by the end of the year, I think the last game of the year, I made my first career start in the SEC tournament in Nashville. Um, right after that game, really before that game, new coach Kennedy was going to be let go. Uh, anyways, that was frustrating for me, right? I climbed the whole ladder, kind of, you know, the last game finally made a start and was in the mix and then coaches let go, right? And I'm back at square one. And so, 
uh, Buzz came in, actually took me off scholarship. And then uh, I ended up earning it back um, about halfway through the year um, as I started on like eight to 10 games uh, there at the beginning. And so got to see that whole coaching transition happen and, you know, hopefully be a, at the time a senior voice uh, for the team of leadership. And so I uh, got hurt uh, about halfway through conference. And so I had to do react. But, uh, in the system and the people and, uh, yeah, I'm just excited to talk ball with you each week. This, this, this should be fun. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, and how have you enjoyed doing the little bit of the, uh, the television color commentary? Cause I know friends will be able to see you on there. A couple of those non-conference games early in the past two seasons. Um, I had some people within the basketball uh, administration reach out um, and SEC network sometimes needs help with those games that are before conference play. Um, and so I just water a little bit. Right? It's a different thing where you're sitting courtside, you're analyzing it, you're on air, you got people talking in your ear. And so uh, there's an art to it, but it, it's been really fun to uh, be back after a couple of years of being away, kind of be back in the mix. And uh, that, that's been really fun. I've enjoyed that for sure. So that, uh, as I, we talked about before we got started to hear that is the, the beautiful skyline of my hometown, Dallas behind you. What are you, uh, what are you doing nowadays? Yes. Yeah, so I'm working in private wealth. Um, my dad heads up a team uh, here at Steeple Nicholas is the name of our firm. And uh, yes, yeah, so we, we work with a lot of corporate executives. My niche is in the energy space. So uh, I'm just, you know, calling on, setting meetings, um, all sorts of things like that, and some investment banking stuff. Um, and that's kind of the space I operate in uh, within our team. It's just all the, the business development for the uh, oil and gas executives. Great, great. Okay, so now let's get into that basketball. Texas A&M uh, off to a, a, a so-so start this year. Their first net ranking was a was 120th, which is a, a lower than anybody would have liked to see. Three losses so far in the season. Let's start with offense. What have you seen so far from the A&M's offense this year? It's different than in the years past with kind of the roster and the talent that they have. Uh, but it, it, it's it's been a little bit hit or miss. What what, what have you uh, liked or not liked about it so far? Yeah, I think I think you said it, it's been hit or miss, right? On the nights when it's on, they can score over a hundred like they have once this year, or it can look really sloppy like it did this past Saturday in Fort Worth, right? And so, uh, to me, I mean, as teams start, start scouting and you know, players get scouted more throughout the year, you got to have variations to your offense. I think. One of the biggest things that I would love to see develop just to the fan is uh, that I, offensive identity. What is Texas A&M known as, right? If it's like Arkansas, we're going to up and down the floor. Swing ball, swing ball, swing ball, back cut. Um, just developing an offensive identity and always talk about, you know, can we create basketball poetry? And a lot of times when I watch the Aggies, it's just this one-on-one, break a guy down off the dribble, all the other four guys are looking at the ball handler. And what I'd love to see is more ball movement and create that poetry where the ball is swinging around the arc. There's a drive, there's a pass to the corner, there's a one more. That beautiful basketball that we all love to watch. I'd love to see a little bit, a little bit more of that. Um, but I mean, like, so, like right now, Travis, we're uh, uh, 245th in assists, so we have 112 assists on, on the season. Uh, definitely, that need would need to rise. That's a sign that we're not sharing the ball, right? Or we don't have that continuity yet. A lot of transfers are kind of figuring each other out. 
figuring out the rotation. I was just playing around with the rotation a little bit. Um, but then at the end of the day, you also got to be able to shoot the ball. Basketball is about putting the ball in the hole. And, you know, I think we're 32% from three. That's 257th in the country. We're 52% from twos, which is 161st in the country. And we only have, let's see here, 461 field goal attempts on the year, which is 323rd in the country. So that tells me we're playing at a slower pace, but we're also not making shots at a higher rate. So it really needs to be one or the other. We're going to play at a slower pace, but we're going to be really efficient. We're going to shoot high percentage shots and knock, knock down the three when we have them. Or we're going to play fast. We're going to have more attempts and maybe our percentage is a little bit lower. Um, overall, I think my assessment is, I love to just see Agnes really develop uh, an identity, an offensive identity that's part of their core belief they're going to have going forward. Um, and I know some assistant coaching changes have kind of affected the offense the last couple of years, but uh, there's way too much talent to, uh, you know, have that assist number so I think they'll turn around now. Yeah, you you mentioned some of those numbers in in today's basketball. A lot of talk around how the high percentage shots are are layups, close twos, and three point per, uh, line because you can you can take a lot of consistent shots from back there. As you mentioned, A not so great from behind the three point line. Bart Tovark uh, on on his website also ha- doesn't have them very good on those close twos in the the sixty percent range uh, on, on those close twos. You you got to be a little bit more efficient if you're going to play. Uh, slow, like you said. That being said, is this team in watching? Uh, you know, especially that Boise State game. Is this too? Te- is this team a little too reliant on the three pointer? Yeah, I mean, I think I think at times, I mean, only too reliant is guiding it. <laughs> so if we could if we could hit some more shots, you know, it's nice. Um, and then you know, we have guys that have shown that they can hit right. And uh, Hefner's, I guess, he's been out a little bit, but. Uh, you know, Wade, obviously, Tyrese, historically, has been a good three-point shooter. Um, but really, just like in today's modern game, Travis, it's all about spacing. If we're having four, preferably five guys who can shoot the three, what does it do? It opens up, opens up the lane to drive. And like you said, it's those close twos. And that 60% number on close twos, I'd really love to see that around 75%. You know, those are the, the bunny layups we call the floaters, the up-and-unders. Uh, I think 75% probably or, or even higher is a mark of a really good team in that, that regard. And the point percentage, I'd love to see it jump. You know, what are we at 32% right now? Even if we got it into that 35 to 38 range, I think you could see it translate to a couple more wins. But uh, the reality is, is right now we're struggling to shoot. And so um, I don't know whether that's a system issue, a player's issue, uh, but it's something that's kind of plagued us a little bit on and off for a couple of years now. Um, but it, like I said, it's talent, it gets you hopeful. You know, if they get hot like they did towards the end of last year when they should have been a tournament team, in my opinion, had the capability to be a Sweet 16 team, uh, they were hitting those shots. And uh, anyways, I, I, I think they'll be all right. But uh, again, modern basketball, you got to be able to finish around the basket and you got to be able to face the floor. And they're struggling to do a little bit of both, both of those. So one of the guys that I think has been trending a little bit better in the last couple of games, uh, a newcomer, Julius Marble, transferred from Michigan State. What, what have you seen from him so far and how having two big body guys has, has helped the Aggies a little bit? Well, I think just his mature presence, right? Uh, one of Buzz's favorite quotes, we all know he loves quotes and things like that, right? It's a race to maturity. So when you think about that, Travis, uh, in today's transfer portal world and immediate gratification world, 
you know, I, I sometimes it's hard to have a mature team. And I think uh, Marble really kind of brings that, you know, he played for Izzo, one of my all-time favorite coaches right at Michigan State. And uh, he's been through the ringer a little bit. Dallas kid that went up there. Um, I think he's a junior. So he's kind of been around the block. But he also, it's not just that he's been around a little while. It's that his game is mature, if that makes sense. The way in which he plays, he understands rotation, especially on defense, which is important. Uh, but he also understands where the extra pass needs to be made. When it's time, you know, in the game, if we're struggling to get a, a layup or we're sh- or, uh, you know, struggling to find, you know, score the ball, sometimes he'll just go and, and just pound one right into the paint and try to try to get an easy one to kind of soothe everybody down. And so I, I, th- I just think his maturity um, is going to be something they're going to have to lean on because uh, there is a lot of youth still on this team, even though we, we know they return a lot, but it's still a young team relative to, you know, some of the, the people they're facing. For instance, Boise State the other night um, was a very, a very mature team. And so I just think there's a piece, uh, you'll hear Buzz talk about this, uh, a piece that kind of comes when Marble is in the game. And it just kind of, everyone kind of settles into their, their, you know, their role and him and Coleman figuring out how to play together might be the key to the Ags entire season. Um, I could be wrong, but I think those are two of your best five. And so figuring out for a way, a way for them to coexist, I think it's going to be of the utmost importance. Sure. So let's, let's shift over to the defensive side of the ball. Buzz Williams, of course, Kind of a defense first coach, a unique defense. They want to sure. force team play other teams players to shoot the three ball, but as has been in the past, but especially this season, teams have been killing A and M from behind the three point line. What have you seen on defense, and, and why are they having so much trouble defending the three? Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, Travis. So, like, I think we're allowing. Let's see here, what seventy one points a game. I'd like to see that in the, in the mid sixties. That'll come down as conference play starts and teams, like I said, start scouting each other. Um, for me, I, you know, I'm looking at fouls and uh, I think we're just fouling too much. I think we foul in the upper half of the country. Uh, we, we foul at a very high rate. And so uh, what that does, that means that teams are getting into the bonus early in half, right. Which allows them to get a lot of one-on-one and then eventually two free throw uh, opportunities. And then on top of that, what is it? Think about psychologically what that does, uh, Travis. So when you're in the bonus, you're not going to play defense as aggressively, right? And a hallmark of a Buzz Williams team is an aggressive defense. Think, you know, when they're coming off pick and rolls, we're going to trap. When the ball is the post, a lot of times you're going to see a trap and a rotation. That's how Q got all those steals last year. It was just a trap. He would play the passing lane. That's where you see him get all those ESPN dunks. We're just coming off of that premise of we're going to be aggressive. And I think one thing that happens when you foul too much is you're, you're living in the bonus and it takes away some of that aggressiveness that is really core to the identity of A&M, not just on the defensive end, but that rubs off on the offensive end, right? And so they got to learn to start, start playing without fouling. Um, and then on the flip side, what do you want to do? You know, on offensively, you want to be aggressive and get into the bonus before the other team. And so I think that for me – uh, more than, you know, maybe even more than the three-point percentage being allowed is it, going to be um, is, is how they, they learn to play without fouling. For sure, for sure. Um, when, when you look at, at uh, defending three-pointers, uh, what, what is the, as a player, what is the, the kind of um, go-to mantra of, of making sure that you, you can prevent a guy from getting a contested three? What's, what do you do as a, as a defender to, to, to make sure that, that 
they got a hand in their face, especially when you're in rotation. Yeah. I mean, I think it's doing your work beforehand, right? If you're, if you're, if you're in rotation, you know, you're, you're inherently already behind. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so I think uh, some of that is dictating to the offense, what you're going to allow them to have. And one thing I'm seeing from the Aggies a lot is this one, they're jumping on every closeout, which I'm fine with that shows effort. But a lot of times we're jumping, we're taking ourselves out of the play. And so instead of there's a shot being, being put up, right instead of going straight up and trying to contest, we're flying by. Well, what's that doing? The, the, a lot of times the opposing offense is just pump fake and they're driving in the lane. Now what happens? They're playing five on four and now they're spraying it out to the wing or to the opposite corner and they're getting wide open threes. And so I think, you know, for me, it, it, it comes back to discipline and daily habits uh, defensively to, they got to be more solid. I feel like sometimes we're, we're chicken with our heads cut off a little bit. And some of that's good. And I think some of that is how the staff wants to play and why they were so successful down the stretch last year. Um, and even my senior year, that's how we kind of played is this, this reckless abandon, just overwhelming energy, right? It's on a nice basis, sometimes that energy is hard to cultivate because it's not the end of the season. You're not playing with the, your season on the line. And so I think overall, I just like to see them be a little bit more solid, um, just in defensive principles, but also probably more so in defensive execution and discipline, doing the doing those easy things instead of flying by the guy, make a hard contest, stay in front. Um, but yeah, that, that's how I'd answer that question. So, so when you look back as these these first nine games as a whole, yeah. they have three losses, three losses against pretty decent teams. Um, compared to where they've been at this point, the last uh, the four seasons or three seasons of Buzz Williams tenure, do you feel like they're a, even though you you don't like those losses, do you feel like they're a, ahead of where they've been at this point in the seasons past? Because to me, it feels like that a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I think Saturday was a step back. If I were to be truthful, you know, I was there in Fort Worth. I didn't really like the vibe. If I were to be honest. And I think the staff and the players would say the same thing, right? Um, I think they're ahead of schedule in some regards and behind in, in others. And I think, like I said, transfer portal, young team, they're going to be growing pains. But at some point, they got to get some tread on the tires and, and, and get rolling, right? Because we saw last year, these early season games matter so much. You drop one to Boise State, and it's not just that they're dropping them, it's the manner in which you lose. You lose by 28 to Colorado, 15 to Boise State. Um, and you look at other teams around the region, you know, as, as, as a fan that wants to see us go to a Final Four more than anyone, you know, it's it's time for us to, to start winning those games. And I, I think we're really close to doing so and breaking through. Um, but these next two, Oregon State and Memphis, are going to be pivotal, pivotal come, uh, come March. I mean, the selection committee, you saw what they did last year. If you don't have marquee out-of-conference wins, it makes it really hard, no matter how good you do in conference, no matter if you make a run uh, deep in, into the SEC tournament, uh, a lot of this stuff is decided right now, and there's got to be a sense of urgency. And, uh, you know, the one thing I think is, it's important for fans to realize is how hard Buzz's preseason regiment is. And a lot of times, in my opinion, and I've talked with guys from Virginia Tech and Marquette where he was at previously, um, they don't get their legs back till after Christmas. And I know that sounds foreign to some people who haven't played college athletics, but when you go through a two month grind, like Buzz puts you through, 
it takes it out of you. You got guys with shin splints and all sorts of stuff. And it's great because at the end of the season, you've been through so much together that it kind of culminates. And you, you see these amazing close-knit teams that are able to beat anyone like we saw last year, right? But the downside of that sometimes is on this front half of the year, you got to navigate the schedule in a posi- in a way that positions you come March um, to be able to be hitting your hot streak and not have those bad losses preventing you from a higher seed. And so I think that's one nugget just to kind of earmark away. A lot of times, if you go look at Buzz's career, go look at the record before Christmas and then after Christmas, almost always night and day. It's a great point. It's a great point. And uh, you, you mentioned there, there too, uh, Oregon State, Memphis coming up. Memphis is the, is the, the hallmark. Like the one to earmark on that. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, next week, but it's all about getting those, those quad one wins. A&M strength of yeah. schedule in the early uh, part of this non-conference season has been exponentially better than it was last season, but they're on a little bit more of a build where their first quad one matchup should be that one at Memphis. Last year, they had 16 quad one games Three of those were in the the SEC tournament and didn't really matter to the selection committee because it was so late in the season. So so they have a chance to capitalize after getting a little bit of a build. How important do you think it is having nine games, uh, actually 10 games under their belt before they hit that first quad quad one test and then head into conference play where they'll have 11 quad one potentially matchups? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important. I also think it, 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 a lot of it just depends on how you're playing at that point in time, right, Travis? And, uh, you know, I, I hate that we couldn't get that Boise State one because uh, that would have given us four in a row heading to Oregon State. Uh, I feel like we maybe get that one. I think that's an ESPN2 national televised game. And then you roll that into Memphis. You got five in a row headed into Memphis. And the game in Fort Worth kind of makes me kind of step back and reassess. If I were to be a, you know, take my maroon Kool-Aid glasses off and analyze it, um, it makes me a little skeptical. Um, now I'm hopeful because they have the talent to compete with anybody. Um, but we do have to put it together and it has to happen now. You almost, I mean, I'm looking at it. I went through and looked at the SEC schedule. Um, and even with a very good show and say you were to win 65% of your games in conference, you almost have to have these next two if you want to not be on that, you know, last four in type discussion. And so I hope they're practicing with urgency. Um, but, yeah, the schedule's a little bit better this year. I still think, you know, some degree these Thanksgiving tournaments, you don't have power over who, who's going to be playing in those. Um, also, look around the country. You know, I see Texas playing in all these marquee games, Illinois, Gonzaga, a Rockets home crowd. And, you know, one – and I, I you all know I love the A&M staff. I think they're phenomenal. They're phenomenal people. They've been amazing to me. But just, like, as a whole – across the athletic department, let's schedule these instead of neutral site games. Let's get these big home and homes going. It'd be so fun. I think my senior year, we played Gonzaga at home, packed house, right? Why didn't Duke come to college station? Why doesn't Kansas do it? Why don't we do a home and home with Kansas? I think that's kind of the next evolution uh, for A&M hoops is to start getting into that national discussion more. And there's a lot of variables that go into that. You know, I think a new arena in the next five years is something that plays into it smaller intimate space think auburn old miss students on the baseline make it an uh an experience an environment that's hard to come play in as opposed you know sometimes i feel like we're in this massive arena and it's halfway full and uh you know we don't have these marquee matchups so i think on a going forward basis i'd love to see some of those blue blood schools let's go do home and home for them let's, 
I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of neutral site games. It, it used to bug me as a player, um, unless we're playing in an NBA arena, which is always kind of cool. But um, overall, I mean, you got the SMU win, right? You went to Chicago, beat DePaul, and then you have three, you know, low, you know, Loyola Chicago, Abilene Christian, Louisiana Monroe. Uh, you lost to Murray State by 11, Colorado by 28, Boise State by 15. The Boise State one's the one that causes a red flag. Um, they could sue that if you beat Oregon and, and Memphis. But, I mean, I, I don't really see a world in, in which they're going to be, a, you know, a top six, seven seed. Um, I think they're probably looking, you know, in that eight to ten range, if I were to guess, with a strong SEC, uh, you know, play and showing. Sure, sure. Uh, well, you, you, I, my last question was, what? let's start off the season with uh, – a little bit of prediction of what you think the ceiling of this team is, but you kind of nailed it right there. Uh, we'll just, we'll, we'll put it like this as it stands right now, as it sits and we can vacillate on this through the season. Is this an NCAA tournament team? As of right now? No. Okay. Does not mean they can't, but does not mean they can't become one. Uh, mm-hmm. What I watched Saturday night in Fort Worth live in person was not a tournament team by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, now you look at the roster and I go, Holy cow. If Wade played like he's supposed to, and Tyrese gets to his late season form from last year, we figure out the marble Coleman combo. And then you mix in Dennis, Manny, Hef, and then solo is the most talented kid on the roster. I don't care what anyone says. I, I went and watched a shoot around. I've been at multiple games. Solomon Washington is probably just raw talent. The most talented guy they got on the entire roster. Um, and so integrating him into the mix is going to be pivotal. They got the talent. It's just about fi- putting the puzzle together. Right. And so if I had to guess, I think they'll, I, I, I do think they'll turn around. Um, you know, I think in that eight to 12 range come, you know, tournament time is, is realistic and it should be attainable. Right. Um, you know, so, uh, I, I, am rooting for him more than anybody. <laughs> so, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Right. Travis. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take a heat check uh, throughout the season a couple times to kind of see uh, where the team is, in our opinion, in regards to the NCAA tournament. Because after that NCAA finals and uh, IT finals appearance last year, you got to think the next progression would be the NCAA tournament for the Aggies. Mark, I, I enjoyed it, man. I'm excited to do this uh, as, as many weeks as we can throughout the basketball season. I know you're a, you're a busy man in your fancy suit as I'm looking like a, a scrub over here. Uh, so uh, we'll get to do as many times as we can uh, through the season and appreciate you uh, jumping on to talk some Aggie hoops with me. Again, a big thanks to Mark French and Leon O'Neill for joining us in this segment of the My Aggie Nation podcast. We'll be back next week breaking down more things that is Texas A&M Athletics. See you then. It seems like every day, everything just has a way, a way to burst out the seams. But if we don't watch what we're doing, our hearts will get ruined by silly things. Good loving needs a girl we know that's true If we want to keep it, we got to watch everything that we do yeah, yeah. Don't want to make sure my baby, make sure you're sticking with me Don't want to make sure that we'll be all that we can be All that we can be